You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between exercise and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 women develop fitter minds and bodies in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to episode number 20 of the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. Today, we talk to Jan Saunders about her journey with exercise, not just running, but exercise. Jan has taken to adventure like a duck to water. Enjoy this episode. I know that I enjoyed bringing it to you. So today, we have another new friend of mine that I'm only meeting today. This is Jan Saunders, and she's going to share her running story with us today. So welcome, Jan. Thanks for being here. Hello, hello. So tell us just a little bit about you, because as I said, this is the first time I've ever had the um, pleasure to have a chat with you. Well, it is, isn't it? We're coming cold. I know, it's awesome. That that is such an open question, isn't it? It Tell us a bit about you. So you can, where did you grow up? Where where did you grow up? Okay, all right, well. Let's let's get those the sort of like boring bits out of the yeah. way. Um, like I turned fifty nine in about uh, three weeks. Wow! No <laughs> um, way. Yeah, thanks, Millie. Um, I live up near Noosa in Queensland, mm-hmm. but I have I was born and lived basically my whole life in Victoria, um, and I moved up here about eighteen months ago. Are you city um, or country or town, Victoria? Rural, so moved around a bit, was born down the Great Ocean Road, a yep. little town called Fairhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I moved around quite a bit, sort of like in and in and around Melbourne area, with probably within a 50k radius of Melbourne. Yep. Uh, and yeah, that's you know, pretty well spent all my time down there. So I, I had a property in the Yarra Valley, a 20-acre property oh, um for the last 25 years before mm-hmm. I moved up here. And now I've got a three-acre property up here, so I'm sort of um, sort of semi-retired. I I've got a bed and breakfast, like a vegan. I'm vegan, um, yeah. vegan bed and, bed and breakfast that I've had since 2014. Um, wow. So I moved it up here, and uh, yeah. So you know, with one thing and another, with what's going on in the world, yeah. <laughs> I um, it's been pretty quiet, but yes. it's okay. So you know, I'm sort of doing what I've actually. I was incredibly busy in Victoria so it's actually been a lovely time to step back and have a uh, reacquaint myself with my yeah, all the good things that I love to do in life other than look after people and cook for them and stuff like that so uh yeah so anyway but yeah just sort of going backwards again a bit um was a real horsey girl like mm-hmm. all my life um was in the police force for about 33 years, 26 of those were in the mountain police as a trainer and instructor. Mainly. That is so cool. <laughs> I don't yeah, think I've ever spoken to anybody who was in the mountain police. He's a Mountie. Yes, I was a Mountie. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I left in 2015, so still a few years ago. And um, so, yeah, the horses were massive part of my life. Um and I got into sports, you know, like running. I, I did a little bit of running like all my adult life because when you go into the police force back in the day, in the early 80s, you know, you had to run quite a bit. So I sort of started to do some running then, mm-hmm. off and on. Yeah. And uh, 
also got into a bit of bodybuilding, did a bit of bodybuilding. Um, but I got into all my multi-sport stuff at 45. So I was a late bloomer. Wow. What made you get into multi-sport at 45? Um, a relationship breakup. <laughs> oh, I had one of those in like, my 20s and my mum said, what are you running away from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, run, run, say no, we're running towards running something. towards it. That's exactly. <laughs> so um, I think it was that classic thing. Um, I yeah, so I'd split up from my partner, um, and I'd been a bit sad for a couple of years. Yeah. And I was actually, I was in Africa, and I was doing uh, climbing Kilimanjaro with some friends, and we'd done a little bit of training together. And I just had this like thought, like, oh, when it's all over and I go home again, like, you know, I'm going to miss this. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I should look for something that's active, that's got like like-minded, active, outdoorsy, nature-loving people yes. and, and try and find community again, like for my mental health. And um, so it popped into my mind. My ex had actually, <laughs> he'd actually um, showed me this two-day adventure race online a couple of years previous. And I just said, like, are you freaking joking? <laughs> like, I said, he was a nutter. And anyway, I thought, like, oh, I might actually look and see if there's, like, a little beginner's race of this adventure racing thing. And that's what I did. I actually did a little sprint, what they call a sprint adventure race just with some random friend that I just said, come and do this thing with me. It was, like, three or four hours. And, yeah, and so that sort of spawned a great love of adventure racing for a few years. So when you uh, say adventure racing, obviously there's running. But there's yes. other things like possibly canoeing or climbing. Yes, so or... like a paddle, some form of paddling where they're like, you know, usually some sort of like sit on top um, kayaking Kayak. type thing um, and mountain biking. And then they often have various other like random things in there. So that could be like um, canyoneering and um, like, going through tunnels and ropes and all sorts of things. So it just depends. So, yeah, that was a huge love of mine up until 2012 when I had a, got a back injury through work. And uh, that's actually how I got into running. But that we will come to later. <laughs> it's like an unfolding story. Yes. So, so you, 2014, did you say, when you started Adventure uh, no, racing. no. Was? 2014 was when I started the B&B. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was 45, so that must have been my math is appalling. Um, oh, yeah, so, that's where I messed yeah. up. I think yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it was like something like 19, oh, no, actually it must have been 2000, sorry. We need a calculator. 2008. <laughs> <Two of laughs> 2008, I did yeah. my first adventure race. Yeah, but wow. I started doing like the, you know, I went to Africa and stuff a couple of times yeah. um, uh, in 2007. Oh, mm. wow. So, so, and then you kept doing that for some time until you hurt your back. So, you, yeah. 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 So from 2009, mm -hmm. um, from the start of 2009 till literally September 2012. <laughs> so it's very, um, it's etched into your mind. Oh yeah. Cause that's when it happened. And I thought my life was over. Like, because when, you know, my job was physical, mm -hmm. my, um, the relationship with my then boyfriend, it was all about outdoor activities. Like he was a mountaineer and we were like yep. traveling around the world doing climbing and bushwalking uh, oh, wow. and my office, my job. And then I had my farm, my property, everything with, 
revolved around physicality and my yeah. self-identity was incredibly wrapped up in physicality. That is so interesting that you say that because one of the big things I have here on my notes what I, that I have for every call is identity and that is um, mm. you know was people tying their identity around something physical in that you know the podcast we talk about running but it's the same no matter what it is yes and then yeah. when it's taken away from you when it's so enmeshed in in that physical nature of who you are like how did you deal with that and emo yeah, and emotional it's, it's all like whoa um it was a very very tough time for me because uh, my I had a long distance relationship my partner lived in Goulburn in New South Wales yeah. so we're about eight nine hundred k's apart and um we're both you know very independent people so it was probably a perfect relationship until like I sort of needed him a little closer and being a mountaineer he wasn't the most empathetic person in the world I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast we're still very good friends <laughs> um, no he's actually really lovely but he just wasn't there like I think I yeah. saw him four days in four months that period where I oh, needed wow. him most so yeah. um you know obviously I had other friends around um but uh yeah it was just a very very difficult time like because it was also the first time I'd had quite a you know and in a really quite debilitating injury where I wasn't able, you know, I wasn't even able to go and feed my horses. Um, but, you know, plenty of the time I could barely just you'd get up to go to the toilet. So it was quite, wow. quite bad for a while. Um, so, you know, could I do my job? Because, you know, as a horse trainer, that's actually mm. how that happened um, and all this other stuff. So, and you sort of catastrophize, you sort of think, oh, what happens, like, is this the beginning of the end? What happens mm. if I can't do any of this stuff anymore? Because you sort of lose a little bit of faith in that this too shall pass, you know, because yeah. you've not had a back injury before. It sounds yeah. really dire. And when, you know, when it's spasming like crazy and there's a lot of pain, you sort of can't imagine it being good again. Mm. So, but of course it did. So, <laughs> I mean, you just did what you were told by your physicians I and things, I assume. did. Um, yeah, so it was like we had a couple of months of just assuming it was some sort of soft tissue thing, so I was getting treated, um, and then it became apparent, like the GP said, no, there must be something more going on because you're only getting very short-term relief. Um, so I had the MRI, found the herniation, um, and then so the physio is like, okay, you have to stop everything now. So, like, that was even worse, and that made it feel worse, like making me stop mm. everything because um, yeah. when I was still, like, moving more mm. you know it still has to get worse before it can get better mm. and you don't understand that at the time and it was awful um but you know they they were treating me I was lucky that it was work care because they were treating me two or three times a week and then eventually I was allowed to do clinical pilates which was a, a huge thing for me physically and mentally mm. it gave me some light at the end of the yeah. tunnel and being able to move again and they also said that I could start walking as far as I liked and so wow. that was like I literally went up to like 80, 100 kilometres a week of walking. So <laughs> I'd, be, I'd get up at 3.15 and go walking. Like when I was starting to go back to work again, just doing light duties, I'd be out before work, at work during lunchtime. Like part of my job as the horse trainer, I was training other trainers to train police horses. So yes. I would go out, normally I'd be on a horse, but I would go out on foot with them and train them from the ground right through the, the streets of Melbourne, you know. Oh, wow. So that was quite funny. Um, but and then I'd come home and I'd walk again so that's how I actually sort of um, got into ultra running because I was allowed to from start walking a horse around the streets of Melbourne sort of. you got into ultra running <laughs> <laughs> um, from just like 
ultra walking, you know, because then eventually I was allowed to start walk jogging. Um, and I lived in a very hilly area. And it was just because I wasn't a swimmer. Like I said, you could swim, but I was a terrible swimmer. So that didn't work for me. Um, so as I started to come back, it was just like longer, longer walk, walk jogging. And, um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I actually, when I was in a really bad place and feeling very dark and I was yeah. just sort of sitting on my, my own at home, feeling sorry for myself, looking online. And I went vegan in this stage too. I think I yeah. had a lot more empathy for pain and suffering. <laughs> and I think, uh, and also a lot more opportunities to look at YouTube and be horrified yeah. about things. So that's when I went vegan. But I came across a race called the Coastal Challenge in Costa Rica. And they had the most evocative film clip I've ever seen with the most wonderful haunting music and these beautiful scenes of, of people running through sunlight dappled rivers, you know, that looked like they're in the Amazon, wrong country, wow. obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then this haunting music and these mountains and mist and beaches and, and literally the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And here was I like really able to walk up my stairs and I just said, I'm going to do this race. So I literally entered that race then and there. That's <laughs> it was amazing. ridiculous. Yeah, because it was about, when was that? So it must have been like about 11, 12 months ahead uh-huh, yeah. and, and I thought I'll be okay a bit like the Kevin Costner field of dreams you know like build it and they will come yeah. I thought like <laughs> enter this race and you will be able to do it how long um, had you been how long since your accident had it been when you entered that uh, race? about three months okay. and um maybe yeah two or three months mm-hmm. so it was still pretty bad I think I'd it wasn't that long after you know they said yeah it's a herniation you have to stop mm-hmm. doing everything um and yes I was in a in a yucky place so anyway so I did enter that race eventually I was able to start walk running then of course like my physio loved me because every exercise they gave me I would do and they knew I would do it so I was a perfect patient do you think that important you know setting that goal like I guess Mm. what I'm getting at is that goal Mm. the thing that made you that um really good patient for the physio and all the other uh, things a, that you a did little bit. You had that goal um, I, my motivation was extremely high anyway mm. like without the goal of the race but the the race just gave me a big beautiful wonderful audacious dream it was the romanticized pinnacle of returning to physicality I'm going to go to Costa Rica a place I've never been in my life and I'm going to run through sunlight dappled rivers <laughs> you know from 250 k's <laughs> so um yeah so it was just this beautiful tangible thing mm. and having entered it you feel like you really make signing up making this commitment to yourself but it became apparent six months before the race that it was not going to happen for me oh. that you know, so I did scratch um, and they said, look, we're going to keep your deposit, which is a bit mean, I thought, because it was significant. Um, but if you do the year after, we'll give you half of that. So it was like $800 they kept. So I will put $400 to take it off your next one. So I did do that and I did do that race and I did complete that race and got in the top 10 females. So that is amazing. So tell yeah. us about that race. So I guess, wow. you, well, you got to the end of your, well, not end, um, but your recovery period. How did you know when you would 
be able to do that because mm. like back things can go on for years I and mean, we have yeah and heard look, of people. I just had a really bad flare-up again like three mm. months ago mm-hmm. um and again I had to get someone to move in because I couldn't even feed my animals so yeah so it still happens um not as much like maybe every mm-hmm. two years or so something will happen um but once it's there it's there yeah uh, so anyway so the coastal challenge uh, so what happened I was, um, so say I realised it wasn't going to pan out for me around mid-2012 because it was actually Mm -hmm. 2011. I hurt my back, September 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, So mid-2012 I realised, okay, you've sort of been a bit ambitious with that one. So I just Mm -hmm. put it off until um, the next year, so 2014 Mm -hmm. because it's a January race. So I thought, you know, this gives me lots and lots of time to be stronger, but there was no way known I was going to be ready for 2013. So I'm going along and I'm doing Pilates at that time and things are getting better, um, you know, and I can see that it's just going to take time and get stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing, I was back at work doing light duties. I wasn't riding, um, but... uh, and, you know, driving and stuff was was painful and cycling and paddling was painful. Anything sitting, which shortens yeah. your hip flexors, yeah. um, was bad. So any form of sitting for too long. Um, so <laughs> it can be quite difficult in life. Um, so going out on these long walks with the walk jog thing was actually lovely and my back did respond quite well to that. Mm-hmm. I just tried to run too much too soon. Yeah. Um, so... I was getting better and I decided, like I looked at the air flights to go to um, Costa Rica mm-hmm. and so expensive for Melbourne. Um, and then I sort of realised that actually buying a bare bones around the world um, ticket yep. was was around the same price as just going to Costa Rica like because you have to sort of like go to, yeah. I think, you know, you have to go to like America and then go down. So I just thought, you know what? I'm a little bit fearful of going back to work because I was, you know, starting to get better. Mm-hmm. I was worried about going back to work, going back to training young horses again and doing the work that I was doing in the 100K round trip driving every day and being back to square one. I was really mm-hmm. quite scared of that after all of this time. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take all of this time off. So I strung all these different leaves together and I took 11 months and I did a, I went backpacking around the world. Wow. And that <laughs> yeah. was your training for the race? Or did you do that after the race? Basically, <laughs> yes. I sort of like just did this running, running house sitting. The plan is no plan except running and exploring the world trip at age 52 or three or something. That's fantastic, uh, Dan. That's really, awesome. really awesome. Yeah, it's so such a know, brave thing say, to do too, to go off by yourself. Like a lot of people find that quite I mean that's without an injury so there'd be a lot of people who would find that threatening even without having something that could flare up you know their back yeah and And I hadn't I hadn't traveled overseas alone before either I'd been on a few trips with my ex the mountaineer yeah um but yeah so it was quite a big thing but again you know I had a big why um Mm. and I'd had a bit of change in my life you know I'd gone vegan and you know you're a bit of a weirdo when you do that I didn't know any other vegans at that time (laughs) So, There's more and more of them these days, I'll tell you. I know this so many now. It's such a big thing. I used to be like, what is this vegan thing? But now everybody knows. Um, but anyway, so so that was like amazing. So, you know, I got house sitters in and um, 
off I went uh, and I actually did pack my, you know, though, have you seen those grid rollers? They're very short, hollow, hard rollers. They're called the grid I don't know that. Right, I mean, I've got a roller, but. Um, yeah, anyway, not, it's a very yeah. short, hollow roller and you can, so I put it in my pack and I'd stuff all clothes. I took no, the roller with me and spiky balls as well because it was still very touchy. I was worried about the plane, plane yeah. flight because I was going yeah. straight for Rome. Um, but in the end, I actually sent all those things home after a few months because they were a bit cumbersome. Um, but so. so you, for your training while you were travelling. How did yeah. you manage that? You were saying races. So did you have, did you sign up for runs I did it, around the I did, place or just do tourist runs? Just training. I, I, I just them. literally do what I used to do on my pony as a child is mm-hmm. just like head out and just explore. Tourist I just runs. follow my nose. <laughs> so, yeah. So I did get lost uh, with no language. Um, Brilliant. Various times. But, you know, you have your hydration pack on. So you've mm-hmm. got water. I always made sure I had food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got my phone, so it was the first time I'd had a smartphone, which sort of helped. Um, but I'd just go off for the day, so I'd just walk around, explore. Uh, there was no, I didn't have to do anything, so you know, there was nowhere to be, so it was quite wonderful. Um, so I got to see lots of the only place I really didn't run freely was Morocco. I did end up being quite spending about seven or eight weeks in Morocco, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the type of country, you know, you'd sort of go running on your own in. Um, yeah. I did have other wonderful adventures. I drove about 9,000 in a little Suzuki and mm-hmm. uh, I did go and climb the second highest mountain there, <laughs> which was nice. Um, but so I had other adventures there, but all the other countries I tend to like just um, go for long runs, but I did go walking in Morocco, but you know, to be a bit more careful, we tend to get hassled by faux guides and things yeah. if you're in towns and stuff. But yeah. um, you learn how to handle people in a nice way and get the lay of the land. It was a, a wonderful growth experience. I often say, like, you know, when you get a bad injury, like it seems like the end of the world, but I mm. actually, you know, to me it was a, a launch pad for me for two of the most um sort of uh, er- biggest areas of growth probably in my life which was a going vegan it, it's yeah. just I mean this is my work and everything now it's a huge part of who I am and then of course getting me into this wonderful ultra running um which you know though I don't do it now um it was it was amazing it was wonderful and I just and and stemming from that was all these great travel experiences so I just grew in confidence as a person because I think when everything is threatened to 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 be taken from Mm. your life um when you have the opportunity you grab things with both hands you know so perhaps if I'd continued in my comfortable little existence that I'd already known, mm. I never would have done something like that, you know. So I'm actually quite grateful for hurting my back. Isn't it amazing, <laughs> like, hearing you say that and yet, this, you know, your life before that sounded also, for many people, um, th- that you had plenty of uncomfortable moments, you know. You were off mountain climbing and doing things like that, true. but it's, yeah. it's that comparison. Um, that is not, true. Not to mention how when we look back, we realise that um, at times of, where things are the hardest in our lives, it's often leads to something pretty amazing on the other side, like it's getting through yeah. that tough stuff and you get. Yeah, it's like the, um, what's that guy's name? But, you know, they, they talk about um, the obstacle is the way. So yeah. it's yeah. not the obstacle in, yeah. in the path, like it, that is the path. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I really do 
um, it brought that lesson home very strongly. So um, it was great. But yeah, the, the Coastal Challenge was a wonderful, wonderful race. It was like the perfect um, uh, first race in a way. It's a five, I think it was five day staged race. Um, wow. So it's 250, no, 235 Ks total. Mm -hmm. um, very diverse landscape, obviously the jungles, beaches, mountains, and very steep. Mm. Um, and you know, this sort of like movable camp, you know, like, and a beautiful community of people. So when you Gorgeous. say like the, the longest I've run is 60 kilometres, so okay. I, didn't, I didn't need to stay anywhere. <laughs> so in my head and you go stay, so I go, oh, that actually sounds doable. So you're, you're saying that you run a particular distance in a day, yeah. Um, whatever that is for and that you, day you, and have a camp and then they yes. do it again. Is that sort of how? Correct. It yeah. So, um, yeah, that's called a staged race. So, um, I think I, I, don't, I haven't done many, I think that might be the only staged race I've ever done. So I don't know how they all go, mm. but like this one was, um, you know, maybe some things, uh, are a bit of an out and back thing to a central thing. I don't know, but this is, they obviously had to pack up and move you along the way so you'd come into the next place along and um you know they'd had the kitchen thing there so they're cooking your meals um and you know they being costa rica there was um you know plenty of sort of uh fruit and salady things that i could eat and plus i was i'm always used to being pretty self-sufficient you know you, you don't assume that you can get what you yeah. need so you know i love that full of almonds well, yeah, I mean, I even bought when I was in the States, just before I went down there, I bought um, like this little blender. It's a bit like a little yeah. ninja blender, I suppose. Yeah. And because I found out they had the same power thing as yeah. America. Mm -hmm. So I just took it with me. So I was making these fantastic smoothies because they'd have all this fruit and everything. And I bought chia and oats with me. Yeah. Um, they'd have all these coconuts and all this amazing fruit. And, and people were, like, really, like, envious of me and my smoothies, like, post-race. Um, I actually ended up giving it to one of the volunteers because he was always, like, enamored by my, my, my smoothie. So I gave it to him before I left. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a great race. And um, my goals were to finish, to finish it, like, mm -hmm. um, uh, in its entirety and not be injured because um, I was actually flying home three days after the race finished after that whole 11 yeah. months it was the pinnacle it was the last thing I was going to do and um so I did give myself three days grace just in case I pulled up and I was in a world of pain yeah. uh, but as it turned out I, it was absolutely great and then yeah and I finished in it's 10th female so I was in the top wow. 10 so, uh, so I was really stoked so, so it, was, it was great that's obviously an annual race or maybe Maybe yeah. it didn't happen last year, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it did. I do follow it. It sort of looked like it did, um, but maybe, maybe they were just um, for locals. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's a wonderful race. I'm not sure that they're probably up to about, you know, what edition they'd be up to now? Maybe twelve or thirteen. I don't know. But yeah, wow. great race. If you get the chance, yeah. anyone's into that sort of thing, it was beautiful. So when you came back, what were you? How did you continue your running once you came uh, back from this so, yeah, amazing well, I had a adventure? Bit of a backslide. Like I came back and obviously I was super fit. Mm. Um, so I did a couple of things. Um, 
Then I did about three weeks after I got back. I did, I think, the long plane ride and everything. I did um, have another little bit of a back glitch, I remember. I was at a running yes. festival and I was doing sweep and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, yeah, something went a bit amiss briefly, but it was all right. Um, then I did something called the Buffalo Stampede, which was mm-hmm. a sky run. Um, yeah. So I did 75K in that. Did well in that, but mm-hmm. did have a fall and jerked back my shoulder and ended up with adhesive capsulitis. <laughs> and that's oh. I had a frozen shoulder for a few months, which is a bit of a bugger. Um, so I did quite a few races it, mm-hmm. around that time and it was really good. Uh, re- I was really enjoying it. So ultra trail type stuff as opposed yeah, to? Yeah, or longer stuff. Wilson's yeah. Prom, um, Gow 100, um, Great Ocean Walk 100. Um, did, did a, yeah, a few 100K races. Um, Falls Creek, the Alpine Challenge. Did the 100K there. I think I got second female in that one. Huge gap between me and first. Huge. <laughs> That's all right. Sounds good. You obviously don't mind the heels as well. <laughs> yeah, because you see the heels suit my body because if I just tried to run a, a marathon dif- different uh, distance on the road, I yeah. think my back would the just jarring. go no way. Mm. So it likes this walk, run, walk, run, uneven yeah. circus, you know, because yeah. you're always changing your stride lengths. Yeah. You know, your body's continually moving. You, you have to use your core a lot because of the terrain, the terrain. and that suits my back mm. really, really well. So for me, hilly hilly ones are better because if I just mm. ran, 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 it'd be no good. So the cult, the, the big pinnacle, I guess, um, was Transpyrenea in 2016. Where I, is that? In the Pyrenees in France. <laughs> I was going to say that's not <laughs> local. <laughs> that's not Victorian. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I'd, you know, I'd been vegan a few years and I was doing quite a bit of animal rights stuff mm-hmm. in um, Melbourne area and I had the B&B and I wanted to I'd been doing a few bits and pieces that like fundraising for different animal rights organizations like Animal Liberation Victoria um, the International Anti-Poaching Foundation um, which is um, I don't know if you heard a guy called Damien Manda he's from Melbourne originally ex-special forces soldier and he started this amazing um, foundation in mm-hmm. Africa, um, mainly, you know, it's anti-poaching, you know, self-explanatory. Yeah, for the big safari yeah, type animals. So I'd gone over there and done a month volunteering um, with them and did some fundraising for them then. But there's a few sanctuaries and things and I just mm-hmm. wanted to do another fundraising thing. And the thing is with me, with doing hard stuff, mm-hmm. um, I've come to realise I'm more externally motivated. So I'm not... I, if I have, if I'm doing it for something or someone, it's like Rather I always say, yeah, if, if I'd gone vegan mm. as a diet, because like, you know, I say I'd gone whole food plant-based and I'm doing this because I want to be really healthy. I would break it like a million times because like yeah. I'd be like, yeah, just this once, who cares? But when you do it because it's part of, you know. Um, An external. 
yes it's supporting an external cause like yeah yeah. so you know do i you know uh it's it's a lot easier to to stick to it if someone's tempting you with an ice cream or something you know um so the run was the same i thought if i'm going to do a really scary 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 run um i know i'm a bit of a sook so i would very easily pull out if it was just about me but if it was about you know, doing it for a bigger purpose, I would be much more likely to continue on. So I signed up to this crazy race that a friend um, who told me about, and it was like nearly two years in advance. It was the inaugural running of this thing called Transcurrenia. So it was an 866-kilometre oh, wow. run across the GR10 uh, uh, from one mm. coast to the other, basically. Uh, so there was 12 Australians originally going, all women. Um, one by one, everyone pulled out except me so I was like the like the least capable of all of us and I was the one that ended up going to the hopes and dreams of Australia on my shoulders which was like such crock I was just joking but like it was sort of funny because I was like the worst one um but uh, so I had all these like t-shirts made like the big retreat t-shirts with all the charities on the back and all of that so I wore all these t-shirts while I did the run and um, I had a target of five thousand dollars so one thousand for each of the five charities um, ended up uh, doing six and a half thousand which was great which was awesome. lovely of everyone I think because like particularly it was a bit of a slow start and I think particularly because I because it's high mm. and it's Europe you do have mobile coverage quite a lot and it was a non-stop unsupported race. So, you know, you're just on some remote mountainside at two o'clock in the morning and all you can see is like lights in the valley, like 2,000 metres below you. Wow. <laughs> and, and the wind's whistling and occasionally you see goat's eyes like shining at you. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I could just sort of get online and and uh, do a live live crossing as I'm just walking along. Um, <laughs> Here I am in France, still going. Wow. <laughs> day, day 11. <laughs> and, um, so you you must have had like your own tent and like you carry your own no, tent. So how does that no. work? Um, I actually, well, I actually did have, a, I did end up taking a small, I was just going to take a, like a, what they call a tarp, like it's just like a bivy like shelter. A bivy. Yeah. yeah, but when I was training, um, I actually got caught in quite a big, a storm and it sort of put the wind up me a little bit mm. I did I was so lucky I just happened to be right near a stone like a little stone um cottage thing that people can go in so I was lucky I was in that but it did make me think like I I don't want to just have my tent um but as it turned out it would have been right but um anyway so uh yeah it's You'd sort of like um, you could you could stop as much as you wanted, and there was like you had access to your drop bag every mm-hmm. 200, 250 k's, yeah. which in the mountains is you know for me it was about a three a three day. and a half days apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you, you and as a vegan in France too, like I I was more self sufficient no. than most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheese and like processed meats, like nah. Yeah. Um, so. I know, I remember they had these army guy volunteers at one of the checkpoints and I'd stopped, you know, I had something to eat and stuff like that. And um, I didn't have a lot of like uh, shared language. But anyway, as I was getting ready to go, this like, one of these soldier guys saw me getting ready to go and he grabbed my pack to help me put it on. And he just picked it up. He's like, mon dear, because <laughs> like, it was so heavy. And he looked at me and I just gone like, yeah, oh, vegan. <laughs> 
it's got like it's, a food in it. It's uh, apples and potatoes. Well, it's like, I don't know what I, you know, it's just heavier than most people, you know, because we yeah. did have to leave each time we left what they called a base of life, if you translate it to English. You'd have to leave with six thousand calories. So some people were such dickheads. Like one smart-ass guy actually bought a bottle of olive oil, like <laughs> you know, just to get around that rule. Like, and I know wow. this is the first time. Just in the last week, um, the race director has just put up. It's going to be on again for the first time since twenty sixteen. Because oh. those sort of people, five of them, took him to court and said that, like, you know, that. Um, it was dangerous and it was this and it was that. Uh, so, yeah, so we had to, it dragged on in court for years. So the poor bugger, like um, people were ready to do it the next year and a week before the race in 2017, Cancel. the courts cancelled it. So he's no. been fighting it ever since. But uh, they sort of said a couple of people, and including him, are you going to come back? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I would love to if I was still running, but I would just like to go and hike the GR10 now and actually see all the bits I missed because it was dark when I went through. <laughs> you went through. Wow. So that was, how many days was that you were saying? So I ended up doing 616 kilometres. I, mm-hmm. I missed the second section, so I missed cutoff. Mm-hmm. Um, on the first section, um, there was a couple of reasons for that. A, I found uh, me and another French guy that I'd teamed up with just towards um, in the last 36 hours, we came across a cow that was um, giving birth but a calf was stuck. So we spent quite some time with her trying to get help for her. And I told him to go on because I knew that we were getting close to cutoff. But he was lovely and he knew I didn't speak much French. And, um, yeah, so anyway, so we're not 100% sure how that ended up, but the fire brigade was apparently coming and they'd found the owners. So hopefully that worked out. But I thought that would just be totally wrong for me to be out there fundraising for animals and then walking past one that was in a really bad way. So that wasn't going to happen. And plus then there was a massive storm up in the mountains that night. Mm. And, um, yeah, we'd already done like, well, I'd I'd already been on my feet for 20 hours that day Um, and we reached a refuge and it was still about another four hours off the mountain in the storm at night and I just made that call to like, nah, I'm just going to pull it and then I'll Mm -hmm. start the sister race. Mm-hmm. Um, which was going to start from midway point. So that ended up being a super smart strategic decision uh-huh. as far as my fundraising goes because my race would have been over. I would not have made cutoff at the mm. midpoint and then I would have missed out on the opportunity to start the sister race, yeah. which was 450K. So I did the the total of the... Um, the total of the run that I did was 616 in 11 and a half days, but I had two days off in the middle of that, which was rather lovely, back in town. And, and you know, I, I was staying at this really nice place, these people I'd met before the race, so that was nice. Um, but, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful race, very, very hard, um, brutal mountains over there. I think there's something like 55,000, 60,000 metres total ascent in that 600-odd Ks I did. So I guess, um, you know, in... in reflecting on that sort of stuff what is going through your mind on when it's really tough like it it sounds like a lot of what you've thrown yourself into even before your back injury the things that other people would go well I'm happy to watch that on the tv (laughs) you know it's a funny thing you know like hard things hard things are relative so Mm. um you know as time goes on I guess 
see, I look at what I do and I sometimes I'll see it reflected back at me like mm-hmm. that from what you just said. And I think, oh, yeah, I have done some pretty amazing things, I guess. But I have friends that do what I consider amazing things. Yeah. So my stuff looks yeah. like, yeah, whatevs. Um, and I'm just like, I'm just a whatevs athlete. Like, you know, I'm nothing yeah. special um, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't really look at it like that. Um, people do amazing things all the time. Isn't it I haven't funny? even had a baby. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though, that that's one of the... You know, you do a marathon and on your path to a marathon, for example, so this is just sort of my experience, on your path to a marathon, you're thinking, um, this is amazing. Everyone around you, perhaps at that time, especially when you first start, is only doing a 5 or a 10K, although it's your family and they go, oh, you're the first person in our family to oh, ever run a marathon. How far is a marathon again? You know, it's, it's, exactly. It's so, mind-blowing to them. And it's like, whoa. And then you run a marathon and then you kind of feel yourself being pulled in, especially if you're going to keep going and you enjoy it. Yeah. Is you're like, oh, actually there's people who run ultra marathons and then, yeah. then you find this other, and then there's like multi-sport events and then there's like the um, adventure kind of stuff that you've done. And then yeah. you realise that even when you get there, there's always someone else or, or another adventure or another type of thing that you could do which yes. is a little bit more extreme or a little bit. And so it's an interesting, like everybody for, with, with all of our different personalities, how we treat that in our heads is probably different. But for mm. some people you can see, that's kind of what pushes them on and on and on. And the danger of that is where do you stop? Like there is no stop there if you're always sure. comparing yourself to other people. Um, yeah, if that's if your motivation, yeah, interesting, if, if it's sort of yeah, coming burnout. from a place of, um, you know, always wanting to be better, I guess I think my stuff, like I, I loved being out in those incredible places like especially with adventure racing because you're off trail you're navigating map and compass so say I did a couple of world series races um, in Australia but you're going in you've got access to these like privately owned holdings of land up far north Queensland that like one place I remember on the on 2010 when I did it um, with quite a competitive team um, we we're on this like massive cattle property and where we went there was a 70 acre a 70 kilometer trekking section and like the, this property had been in their hands for generations and they basically said like as far as we know um, no one except the you know the local indigenous has ever been out there like on foot like you just fly over in the chopper um (laughs) so you know it's that wild and it's such a privilege to be able to go into places like that and and you know and even though you missed out on seeing a lot of the incredible view in the Pyrenees when you're on a mountain like Mm. all night um is also something very very magical about being on a mountain on your own in the French Pyrenees and not seeing anyone either because you know, it's very long and the race got very spread out. So sometimes I wouldn't see anyone for, you know, 12 hours easily, uh, especially if you're going at night. I wouldn't see anyone all night. Um, so, so to cool. me, it strikes, I'm a little bit like you. Like if somebody said to me, here's, uh, you know, gave me a choice to buy a big fancy house or spend that same money on experiences, yeah. I would be more likely to choose the experiences, like to go off and, because to me, even being, as you said, in the middle of the night in on the a French top of a French mountain, like wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, it's really extraordinary. I mean, I did 
I remember that the, the night that comes to mind, it was actually my second last night out. Um, I'd actually already fallen about three or four times in the previous 24 hours. And I did put my foot down a, a particularly deep, sudden hole that was like buried in the grass. Um, and I was really lucky and it didn't enter my mind then, boy, you know, if I you could easily snap an ankle doing that, like totally. this, that would be really bad up here. <laughs> um, but it, it's also, I mean, it didn't happen in my back. Um, I nearly pulled out of the race on day two because my back went into spasm really badly. And I thought because I'd had a previous experience and I was coming back from Africa only, I think it was only a year or so before, and that put me out for 10 days. I thought, oh, that's it. My race is over. It's all over. And I was devastated. Um, I'd even run the race director and said, my back has gone into spasm. Um, I'm, I'm out. Like, you know, when can you come and get me? Oh, probably sometime tomorrow. Um, so, but while I was just like, you know, there's another reason I missed the first, you know, the first cutoff because I was there for six hours at this refuge and um, it just occurred to me like it was getting on towards dusk and I just thought my back isn't any worse and I'm actually able to move around. Mm. And I thought, well, I've done the dash now because like the sweeps would have gone. I just went downstairs to get something from the bar and, and I saw the sweeps uh you know the sweeps don't you yeah, i know, do know what a sweep is yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> for so those of um, you who so don't it's the last person in a race they come up and sweep everyone up basically make sure everyone's all <laughs> yeah. right so there yeah. were two sweeps and the last person the last runner and the last mm -hmm. runner was like eating like crazily and anyway so i went up to them i said are you the sweeps and you know they didn't have a lot of english but they sort of realized what i was saying they're like yeah we, we. and they said is he the so and i said oh my god so i just lit up and i just said you know, and I'm trying to explain to them that I pulled out of the race because my back was bad, bad, but it was actually okay. And because I knew that they were going to be behind me if I got my act together and got out the door before they did, mm. that if something happened between there and the next morning when I expected to get to the next town, because I'd trained on that section before, um, they would find me because that was my fear. There was, it was alone. thundering, there was thunder and there was a little mm -hmm. bit of rain. So I was a bit worried. Um, that I'd just get a few k's down mm. the track and my back would go again, um, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, but no. they could pick me up, like that. They'd find me and they could get help for me. So I trotted off happily into the thunder and the the gathering dark, and had wow. the most amazing night. And got into the next town, next village at six thirty the next morning at first light. Um, so and from then on, my back was was good. good. Just got better and better. Yeah. So for the uninitiated for that kind of run, mm. how much running is there? Uh, so in the Pyrenees, for someone like me, yeah. 5%. Yeah, because you just think it's, I mean, apart from, and then some of the downs would be so steep, perhaps it'd be dangerous for running yeah. down. Anyway. And also super technical, like very, very loose. Like um, plus I had up to like 10, 12 kilos in my pack. The pack I use is an adventure racing pack, so you can cinch it in really tight and you can run with that pack. Yeah. I actually did. I ran the Lara Pinta just with a mate as a training thing um, two months before I went to France because it was the only technical long yeah. um, section that I could test everything. So I ran the Lara, you know, uh, the Lara Pinta's in Northern Territory. Yeah. I've just had um, a friend I, who's just done it and another uh, friend who's just camped it as well, like walked up okay, someone who's yeah. run and one who's bushwalked it. So. Okay, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, I've just come back from my fifth one um, for 
like one, I ran one sweep. I ran it, you know, just me and my mate mm-hmm. as, a, as the training thing. And then I've hiked it three times now. Yes. Um, I love it. But anyway, so, yeah, so um, I ran that in four and a half days with like a 10 to 13 kilo pack yeah. um, with two food drops on that one and, and finished really strongly. It was a great, great lead into the Pyrenees run. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, generally my back just does better and better, like more I do. So I've got a 1,000K hike coming up in about eight weeks in WA. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's I, I sort of had three years off because um, my business, my little vegan B&B got super busy and yep. um, I moved up here in COVID. So I'd had like three years of no long hikes. So this year I've got back into that. Um, I, I did like a little, I just pulled a little half marathon thing out of my bum last year. I did a, a two-day like 50K mountain bike uh, followed by the next day you do a half marathon. I just wanted to do it. I hadn't really run much, but it was fine um and uh that's good um but other than that like i'll just break into a trot every now and then but i don't really call myself a runner now i'm more of a i'm getting right into like this longer distance hiking thing so so which is basically what i did in the pyrenees so i mean it really was very little running in the end when we um before we got on you said look i'm not actually running at the moment so explain that to us explain what not running looks like to you uh not running so Hmm. so after the Pyrenees um because I did the fundraising thing like everything all the money to get over in there that's all self-funded so everything all the money that is donated goes 100% to the charities and I'd so I'd take it shut my business for two months you know flown to France spent all this time in France um doing all this wonderful stuff but I came back and I was really broke (laughs) like scary I had to borrow some money off mum because I, I didn't think I'd make the mortgage repayment wow. um but I when I was in France I actually put the word out because I'd finished early you know because I sort of was giving myself some time in case I didn't finish the race and I wanted to go back and hike some um but I couldn't afford to change my flights it was like 400 bucks I didn't have it yeah. um so I, I was kindly gifted a lovely stone cottage over in the uh near, near the Italian border back on the other side of the country again and I just stayed there for free which was delightful um yeah and but anyway so I got home and then I really got stuck into work you know Mm -hmm. I just went full force into the bed and breakfast doing heaps of cooking classes um it just really exploded in popularity for I'm not a hundred percent sure why but it just got super busy um and when I did have, I'm a bit of an extroverted introvert, so I, yeah. I do need time alone to recharge. Mm-hmm. And I never really got a lot of time alone. And I used yeah. to go to the Lara Pinter every year just to disconnect and not have to look after anyone and not have to clean and not have to cook. I didn't, I, I wouldn't even take a stove. Um, and um, it was my little recharge time, but then you know mum was sort of getting sicker but I to have me I didn't want to have I didn't want to race because I didn't want another pressure on me to say I've got a race coming up so I've really got to run Mm -hmm. gee I've only had you know I've worked a 17 hour day today but I've really got to go for a run because I've got a race coming up so Mm -hmm. I didn't want that that would just been so I started to just walk so I'd get up in the morning early and go for a walk 
Um, so I just started walking all the time and the running just fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the same time, my because I've got a touchy back, I had a favourite pair of runners um, and I had about a dozen of them, you know, Pearl Azumi, they were. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped making trail shoes. I stopped making like running stuff. Um, and I just couldn't find a pair of runners that suited me again. Oh. Um, and that was also <laughs> problematic. So, yeah. So <laughs> I kept on try- but trying all these different runners and then I'd run a little bit, you know, when I felt like it and mm-hmm. never felt good. Um, so this went on for ages. And then I moved up here. And then I had time to start mm-hmm. to run again. So I started out, I was running again a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I was just getting sore ankles and stuff again and things weren't feeling good. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe it's just my body. Like, you know, I'm postmenopausal and maybe yeah. it's just how it is. You know, maybe my body just doesn't want to run anymore. It's just my ankles are really stiff, yeah. you know. Um, so I've just sort of. I just let it go, you know. I just mm-hmm. started to just enjoy all the other sports. So I paddle and I mountain bike and, you know, do yoga and and weights and stuff like that. So there's lots to do up here. Lots of lots and lots of fun multi sport stuff. So um, running, you know, if I don't run, I don't run. Um, but I recently just found some topo runners. Do you know topo? I have heard of topo. Yeah. Yeah, so I just got them a week or so ago yeah. and, oh, my God, I actually bought them for the Biblimum track because yeah. they've got a Vibram sole, they're wide in the toe box, they've got a nice nice um, cradle of the ankle, um, they've got a bit of cushioning. So they're sort of like everything that I read about them seemed to be on my checklist, mm-hmm. um, but then you never really know until, until you, you put them on. Mm. Yeah, and you need if you're carrying a pack, you've got to have something pretty sturdy. Mm. Um, so I think they might be my runners. So they're surprisingly light for a Vibram sole, but I haven't had a run in them yet. But at the moment, like, you know, I'm just focusing on this hike. So, but it wouldn't, I never say never to run. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if I found the right shoes and as I start, if I feel like having a trot, I'll have a trot. Um, yeah. I just, I was running late the other day and I just did a little like 3K trot and pulled up fine, like it was easy. Um, but that was in a different pair of runs. Uh, so we'll just see, you know, but I do love the hiking. I, I, I really do. It I sounds like camping. a lot of your training has been um, by yourself as well. Would that be right? Like not just yeah, running, but in general? For sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So is that just been the way the world has um, Because I live out. Yeah. I've always lived a bit rural. So like yeah. when I had the farm, um, I did have a girlfriend who's like amazing athlete called Deanna Blegg. She's like all sorts of multi-sport, um, very, very well known um, in recent years for obstacle course racing. She okay. won the world's toughest mother over in America in oh, wow. 2013. I actually went over and crewed for her when I was traveling. I uh, met, her, met her there. Uh, that was sort of something we planned to do. Um, it was her second attempt at it. And I said, well, I, I can go to America then. <laughs> so I did that. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I'd run with her sometimes, a few other friends in the ultra running. The Victorian ultra running scene was awesome. Like I do miss the scene very, very much. A beautiful yeah. bunch of people, um, loved them to be so supportive. Um, That's funny. You're yeah. the second person to say that. I've heard Tas, well, Victorian Tasmanian. Actually, I don't know if he grew up there. He might have grown up in Queensland, but he lived in lived here in Tassie. Mm. 
Yes. And then went to Melbourne. And I have, he's one of the podcasts a little bit earlier than yours. And he okay. was saying, because he's been doing a lot of ultras in the last few years, it's saying how amazing. Okay. Yeah, we know stats are the same people. Mm. I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah I, I do miss that. It's probably the main thing I miss about ultra running is the ultra running community. Because the adventure racing community was great too, but they can tend to be, you have to be a bit geeky and stuff to be into adventure racing. Lots of gear that I take it. There'd be a lot of gear, yeah. not just your runners. <laughs> yeah, the gear and, and the, um, you have to be very strategic and there's the whole map reading thing. Mm. Um, so you can get all a bit up in your head. Whereas trail, trail running, ultra running tends to be, you know, quite earthy and, yeah. and I don't know, at least when I was doing it, it was bloody awesome. So um, I still oh. stay in touch with a lot of people. So it's it's great. But and no, hike, it was also, you know, hiking and trail running are quite they're like their little sisters. They're kind of the same thing. You're one you're just yeah. moving a bit faster perhaps. Um, yeah. You might be carrying yeah. a bit more heavy stuff if you're hiking. Rather versus yeah, running. but I mean, of course, the thing is, you know, because it's not a race, you know, yeah. you don't see each other at the same events and stuff like That's that. True. But, yeah. but anyway, so, you know, I do miss that side. Um, I've got a friend up here who I met in 2014 when I came up and did a recce up here because I was pretty mm-hmm. sure I wanted to move this way. So I do actually do quite a bit with her. She's still really um, excellent ultra runner, but she blew out her hamstring really badly in a bit of a freak sort of running, you know, you know how it is like you're training for some really gnarly race, everything's on track. And then you go out for a social jog with a friend and trip over Mm -hmm. a thing and she actually tore her hamstring right off the thing. So she's um, had surgery and everything is quite bad. So she's hiking with me at the moment. Uh, So... Yeah, right. but anyway, so I do do quite a lot alone just because of, you know, where I live and my hours because I'm yeah. a real early person. Like I get up and I like to be out before the sun comes up. Yeah. Um, and I'll, not many people like that. <laughs> we do have here, there's, um, I call it silly o'clock, but there's a couple of groups. There's a 5.30 one and a, um, yeah. and a 6.30 one, I think, on a Sunday. It's a 5.30 on a Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> like, <coughs> Oh, no, that's okay. You can do that. <laughs> I'll go at mm-hmm. nine. <laughs> so, um, it seems to me like you are a person who has to move all the time. In what way? Like you're always moving, doing stuff, yeah? Like you're always oh, exercising. You're I, always can do la- I can do lazy with the best of them. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, my mountaineering boyfriend, when we started going out, he goes, I don't know how you're going to do tent life. Because when you're mountaineering, because you have to acclimatise or acclimate, is the better proper word, I think, mm-hmm. when you're up high, yep. you, you know, you go up and then you've just got to rest. You can't be buzzing around everywhere. This is how you oh, get so like altitude sickness. So, you know, so he he was worried that I'd be like, you know, ever ready bunny and and that I wouldn't do that well I can really be lazy and you know give me a book I'm happy as Larry to lay around all day but I do love like my morning routine is I do tend to wake up around four or five and I'm up and I I'm out training and I usually train for you know I use the word train loosely but you know you're out (laughs) moving yeah about moving in nature um, for anything up to three hours a day, you know, I sort of yeah. do various things. Um, and then you know, I, have, I love my morning routine. But, you know, um, I don't know. I don't feel like I am. But um, I do like to have, like, cool adventures on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I, I do like to, to make plans. And, um, exactly. you know, because I'm 
obviously, you know, about to turn 59, um, you know, I have this back injury. I have, I found out last year I have osteoporosis. So I've returned to weight training like mm-hmm. the prodigal daughter because I used to do bodybuilding in my 20s and then I just hated the gym so much I never went back really. Um, and I knew from the time I turned 50 and I was menopausal that I literally saw a video the other day of me in, I think, where was I? I was in um, Spain or something saying, I really should go back and do weights now I'm menopausal, <laughs> you know, because I yeah. knew it, but I just hated the gym. And I still struggle. Like I went to the gym yesterday and I tried to, and I sort of thought I went early enough. There was all these people and, you know, all the young girls are there and they've got the makeup and they've got the ruched bloody leotards up their backsides and <laughs> there's all the bros walking around with their arms like this. I'm so like this little grey-haired lady, you know, and I'm looking at them. I just don't belong here. <laughs> this is not my so, tribe. This is are there, people. Are there things that you can do at home? <laughs> Um, you know, I, do my, I do my yoga at home. I've got a bit, a little bit of a weight set up, but yeah. I am. I actually went online last night and looked at like maybe setting up my home gym better. Yeah. Um, but or just getting up. Like I went on Saturday. I went at uh, five thirty on the way to the farmers market, and being a Saturday, no one was there. It was wicked. So I just thought <laughs> I could just get up super early um, yeah. and go. Uh, but I do a, a, a thing called the Oniro program with an exercise physiologist, which is um, twice a week, which is um, a weight training, strength training program that's actually been devised for building bone density. It's specific. Oh, wow. It came, came out of uh, a thing called the Liftmore study that was done by Griffith, Griffith University. University. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so that's been great. So that I enjoy that class and I actually ha- am really enjoying um, feeling that strength coming back. Yeah. And I can feel the difference already because I've done bodybuilding in the past. I think my body, even at this age, is still going, going, oh, hello. <laughs> we still exist. So um, I feel quite positive. I've made some tweaks to the way I eat. Um, just, you know, I went from just making my own nut milks to now having calcium fortified, you know, soy and almond milk. Um, I take one calcium sup a day. I a little bit more mindful with having a little bit more uh, protein as far as tofu, tempeh, legumes, Mm -hmm. a bit more of a daily thing. So just working with my dietitian just to, like she said, I ate really well. Mm -hmm. I just needed to make some tweaks. Mm -hmm. Um, Just sort of do things like, you know, with certain foods that can be sort of have a few lectins and phytates to make sure that you have things like, you know, more vitamin C rich yeah. foods with them at the same time. Um, so it's been quite good. So I ended up doing, during COVID, I ended up doing like 120 page, um, like a meal planner and nutrition guide with her help for oh, wow. like midlife women. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, because the thing about plant-based in midlife it addresses all of those other health issues like heart disease and yeah. diabetes that tends to catch up with you. Mm-hmm. But you've just got to make sure you get getting enough calcium protein um, and yeah. some other and aspects you're doing it as well. In like the right combination, as you said, of her. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, and that's just on my website as a um, you know a downloadable thing. So that was quite good because it's it's become 
I have sort of two Instagram pages now because it's quite a passion for me because people looked at me and they, they look at me and I look fit and strong. Mm. And they go, oh, my God, how can you have osteoporosis? You know, one in three women have get yeah. osteoporosis. So yeah, my it just happens. It. <laughs> it can be stuff from you may never have reached peak bone density, you know, in your younger years because, of course, you know, by the time if you haven't achieved that by the time you're 30, like you're not mm. going to achieve it. It's sort yes. of like slow. And then once you're postmenopausal, it's just goes so, down. <laughs> yeah, and the only reason I've never actually fractured touch wood, I only no. found out is because I'm proactive about my health. And I went and yeah. got a bone density scan just to get a baseline. I was like, oh mm. shit. So I feel very, very grateful <laughs> that, you did that. Uh, that that I found out early, you know, early. I mean, I still mm. I've got osteo osteopenia in my hips, one more than the other, and osteoporosis in my spine. So it's not bad but it's definitely yeah. in the osteoporosis yeah. range just in there so i'm hoping with all of these things that i've started to move the needle just a little it is very hard to build bone density as an older person um but i feel like you know to me it's just another great challenge so i feel i feel very positive about it and i'm grateful for it again because it's just made me you know um and you know wearing a pack is is actually great like going and doing these long things with a pack on yeah I and it got it, me back in the gym I needed to go back to the yeah. gym and it got me back in the gym <laughs> I finally kinda, I, strong enough why you kind of feel like if it wasn't you know the kind of person that you are who you know being quite physical all of your life by the sound of it um mm-hmm. those things and you probably still would have got those things but they'd be much more debilitating it now yeah. like you'd be really yeah. feeling the the influence of them rather than being able to well, not just manage them, but probably keep them at bay. Yeah, like I do feel quite confident. Um, hopefully that's not misplaced. But, I mean, I had a couple of falls off, one off my road bike, one off my mountain bike mm-hmm. in the six months prior to getting my DEXA scan. And both of those falls, could I could have easily broken something, but I didn't. Um, yeah. So what I have come to learn is that you can have like, um, you know, your bone density, if you can actually have like, quite good bone structure but mm-hmm. not particularly good bone density, bone density and the strength vice, mm. yeah so vice versa it's a bit like a spindly legged chair you yeah. know so um I think you know perhaps the fact that I didn't break anything in those falls um and also when I was in the Pyrenees I mm. probably was starting to you know go that way too and I didn't break anything touch wood um mm-hmm. uh you know, that perhaps the structure of my bones is actually still quite good and that's sort of helped me um, in that time. But, you know, just building the your muscle as well, um, it's all going to help with, mm. you know, if you do have a fall. Because part of the Enero program, you are working on balance and uh, yeah. all that is, is the same time. So that's going to help prevent falls. Because, you know, bone density isn't such an issue until you have a fall and you break that. It's not often that it just snaps because you're standing there. Um, you know, it can happen, uh, but it's not very likely. Uh, so, you know, I've got a lot more adventures to have in my life. Um, totally. You're only I'm, halfway through. Yeah. Pretty well, much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, That's what I say know, in my 50s. A lot of these things I do do on my own. So, you know, I I do need to, if I'm going off into the bush on my own, I do have to make sure that I'm as strong and able as I I can be because I do have a lot of life left to live. I've got plenty of sparkle left in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, I would agree. Now, um, one question I often ask people, Mm -hmm. um, but I will change it a little bit. So what do you think? 
think about when, you know, when you're off doing your training, doesn't, doesn't have to be running, whatever training you're doing. Mm. Um, what do you, what kind of things are you thinking about? We don't need specifics, obviously. Like what rain, like, cause we often have this monkey mind thing going on. Um, well, it depends do. how long I'm out. So there's one thing I know, like going to the Lara Pinta, it would take, when I was really busy, it would take me two days yeah. to lose all the, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that and that happened and this, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, bloody hell, I'm a bad person. Like, yep. you know, and then. All the ruminating. Yeah, yeah, lots mm-hmm. of that. And then day three, I'd be okay. And I'm just like totally in love with the landscape. And I'm just like absorbed as part of that. And everything I'm thinking about is just like, well, not all the time, but for the most part, you're just in this great, great headspace. So I think that nature, part of that, of being in nature. And that's why, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see, I think after you go to the gym, you come out of the gym feeling pretty amazing. But mm-hmm. it's a, it, when you're out doing, long runs or something in nature or bike or paddle or whatever you're looking you're right in it you're looking around this is amazing mm. I think otherwise in the gym you just look at the mirror and saying oh my god I look amazing <laughs> <laughs> are they looking at me I hope so <laughs> oh my that's like, why I don't go not, to the gym <laughs> I know it's like I'm just like oh my god and like no one smiles at you it's so bizarre I like smile at people and they look at me like in That's horror, crazy. like why? What? What are you what? smiling at? Whereas we used to the trail, like the trail, everyone's like up for a chat yeah. and hiking. You always have a chat. Always. But anyway, I'm sounding like an old woman now, which I am. But um, <laughs> yeah, so thinking like in the Pyrenees, so those eleven and a half days, mm. I did have an iPod thing with music. I literally mm. took it out twice for thirty minutes or so each time. And mm. I think people are like, "What on earth are you thinking about for all those days on your own?" I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you're just suffering. I mean, yeah. you really are seriously suffering. And I freaking hate this and I'm a dickhead and what am I doing out here? This is stupidest thing. I should have held a bake sale. Why I literally I said that in one video. Like, why didn't I hold a bake, bake sale? Like, this is just <laughs> stupid. Spend all this money and effort coming here and I'm like, Bleh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but on a normal thing, um, when I'm out and about, Especially because I think that's why I love going out in the pre-dawn because mm-hmm. I'm paddling. Like if you ever look at my um, particularly the Beat Retreat mm-hmm. uh, Instagram page, mm-hmm. I have the most amazing photos of sunrises there, especially oh. from the lake um, paddling and it's just like a Technicolor movie, like from some movie set. Um, and it's just magic. You just caught, get caught up in the wonder and awe yeah. of it all. Like you're not thinking of anything except, oh, my God, look at the there. world mm. and look at me, little me in the middle of this and I'm the luckiest person that ever walked the face of the earth. Um, so I think a lot, I'm a very much a gratitude person and it's not a conscious thing. I'm yeah. um, particularly, you know, now I'm in a good place up here. So like, yeah, you know. it helps, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, when I was all busy, you know, you wouldn't be so much but um uh up here like I literally you know I I literally wake up with a smile on my face sometimes I have no idea I wake up and I'm laughing at myself because I know I could feel the smile on my face um which is a very nice sign but uh, obviously a sign that things are good in your life but um the same thing when I'm out on trails that's you know often what I'm thinking I'm just looking around and just enjoying but you know you also get in tune with your body you know so you're sort of like oh that feels good or that doesn't or whatever but I I do um often like listening to like an audio book and stuff as well sometimes Mm -hmm. um I love music but music is something I tend to listen to more at home or in the gym Mm -hmm. and 
if I'm out doing something long, um, I really like learning. So I listen to an audio yeah. book or a podcast or something. Yeah, I do a, a bit podcast. of that sometimes. Yeah, podcasts are great. Mm. Well, so I, I know, you know one you can listen to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> can listen to this one. Um, I'll, actually, I'll put some links to um, in the show notes to your stuff. So people Thank can you. go and have a look and see what you're talking about and, the, and get into it. That'd be really cool. Those awesome, <laughs> um, the awesome, you know, sunrises and things. I often get that here. At, I don't have to go anywhere though. Just look outside. <laughs> yeah. My old place used to be like that. I see things come through my Facebook memory feed. My office used to just face, well, the whole front of the house used to face east up on a hill. Yeah. And I used to come over the ranges, you know, and just, oh, and I, th- I do miss having that big okay. view because oh. I'm on a flat. I've got a lovely restful, bushy view yeah, here, but yeah. I miss having that big 180-degree yeah. view. But anyway, yeah, you can't have everything. You can't. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you can. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I can't have a big a big view and then have this nice road that's easy to cycle on. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to cycle up or down. You know? Oh, yeah. And anyway, I really like I mean, I can just jump on my bike and ride into town here. It's about 7Ks away and it's flat and it's oh, just like I can get – I can grow really old here. Mm. <laughs> it sounds perfect. Everything's, I'm just on the right the right distance from busyness. <laughs> so if I was to ask you, um, mm. like a new, like this podcast is kind of to encourage people to get moving. Um, I, obviously for you, it's not, you know, it's kind of about running and most people I talk to, are, you know, that's their main focus, but not everyone uh, and certainly not you. So <laughs> it's not, just, not just running, any kind of moving, I think you're up Any for. kind of moving, yeah. yeah. So if... If people were listening to this are thinking, how can I get, you know, I've been quite sedentary or coming back from an injury for a really long time. What kind mm. of tips would you give, give them to either, you know, I obviously I think even for you, you know, when you were coming back from your back injury, it was walking led to running because it was kind yeah. of a natural progression. Um, and often people recovering from injury, that's sort of the first step or even from a beginner. It's kind of yeah. that, that first step is running to be, to starting to move. That's what I always say to people, like, you know, and I think that just creating habit, like this is this is a weird sort of thing, um, analogy, is it analogy, is that the word? But um, it's like for the first, I was just thinking to myself the other day, for the first, it's taken me 58 years to re- floss regularly. <laughs> 58 bloody years. Uh, so I am now a regular flosser as, as the last six months. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm very <laughs> proud of it. Um, but I, it's the same thing about running. Like to me, I, I think I'd heard something on a podcast and they literally said that you go in and you floss one tooth. Mm. So that's what I did. I went in and I said, that's all I have to do is just floss one tooth. And of course, you know, generally I just floss all of them. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, so now I do floss. I only floss once a day or every night. But I think it's the same it's same advice used to give people about running. Like literally, I've always said this, like just if they're super, super couch potato, yeah. um, no matter how busy you are, it's like literally if you've come home from work, say, just, you know, put your bags on, anything that urgent that you have to do, like toilet or something, but like just turn around and then, you know, put your runners on, like even mm-hmm. before you leave the office and just go for a little five five-minute walk. Yeah. down the road and five minutes back and like and actually don't let yourself do any more than that mm. um maybe for the first few days but that's the thing it's like yoga I've just come back to a regular yoga practice I just use an app um and that was the same thing 
Um, there's one particular one that I really like, one um, mm-hmm. practice, and it's a 30-minute practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if for some reason, like, oh, I've left it, oh, I, I hadn't got that. Like today I actually haven't got it done, which is mm-hmm. unusual. So I will be tempted to just go like, oh, it's getting late now, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just do this, I'll do that. I thought, well, just go and do five minutes so you mm-hmm. can just stretch it out and I'll bet you I'll do the whole thing. But, you know, it's just to make, like, the agreement with yourself is do five minutes and feel good about yourself and actually celebrate that. Yeah. To actually say, not you know, actually say, well, good on you. You just you yeah. did that. Yeah. Um, so to me, like, that's just creating habit is huge. A habit that's just huge. to start as opposed to just yeah. the habit to complete. It's kind of starting yeah, just, just to start. start. Just to get the habit of whatever time works for you, whether you're a morning person or a nighttime person or whatever it is, just something you got to work out what it is and if it, if you don't like running like who cares don't run like running yeah. isn't a be all and end all um just find something but I, I i still think that just walking is just the you can do it anywhere you don't need anything you yeah. can even wear unsuitable footwear yeah. <laughs> um, so you know it's just a really nice place to start and to actually feel to allow yourself to feel because you know if we only do five minutes it's really easy to go like oh yeah or five minutes like whatevs yeah. um but to actually make sure that you know well that's five minutes that we would be normally sitting on the couch with a tin tan mm-hmm. you know so to actually make sure that we recognize that that's a step like I'm very proud of myself about my flossing right now <laughs> and for doing 30, my 30 minutes yoga every day and I can see the difference and I make sure that I notice those differences yeah you know acknowledge I don't I don't spit blood into the bowl <laughs> that's sorry that's, I'm, that's I'm way good. too graphic aren't I? No, that's I'm good really I'm glad good. you're not doing that I'm glad that the flossing has enabled that to happen exactly there's no more no more doing that and um and same with the yoga I can literally feel things like coming back you know just like you do a back bend thing a camel I think they call it um and just like how I first started even only when I got back from the Lara Pinta the front of my neck was really tight you know when you put your chin up and leaning back like it was quite you know now it's it's, there's no no pressure there like it's open now and and just all these different things and you've got to take notice of that stuff like if you start taking notice of it you actually realize the progress you're making and it makes you want to keep going yeah and that's only when you start the habit that that you'll get to the stage where you'll start noticing some things yeah and then that creates its own joy but if you don't find joy in it like you've got to find joy nothing Mm. nothing should be I mean, yeah, there's going to be days where you don't want to do it and that's where the discipline of just, you know, stepping out the door, that's when that practice that you've made is important because you don't feel like doing it Um, and then down the track, you know. And, you know, if you're hating it and you're, like, out in the run and just, Mm. like, just bring it home. Like, you know, really, life's too short. (laughs) Really hating it for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just sort of find... I wake up in the morning because I'm lucky up here and I do different sports because when I was just running, I was just running. I don't feel like running today. Well, that's what you do. <laughs> but now I go, I don't feel like running. Okay, I'll go for a paddle. I'll go to the gym. I'll go to, it's nice doing other things. So and having, it's better as you're aging too, I think. Yeah, so. having a change, changing yeah. up those movements. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, 100%. Mm. Mm. Well, Jan, mm-hmm. is there anything that we haven't covered? I feel like Probably we've not. covered covered a bit of stuff 
Is there, is there anything that we... I don't know how that long we... this went for. I told you I could talk. That's fine. <laughs> it, we're not at the record yet, but we don't need to ah. get to the record. No, we don't. No, we <laughs> but don't. We, we are close. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Is, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? before Not, we nothing i can think of off the top of my head <laughs> but um yeah look you know if anyone has any curiosity about you know going more plant-based mm -hmm. always always happy to you know um you know for people to send me questions like you know just contact me through social like instagram's always a good one um and you know if i don't know the answer i can refer you off to people that do yeah. um and there's one thing that i do know is where it's like you know i don't think the world's going to go vegan anytime soon but you can't go wrong with increasing the amount of plant foods that you have in your diet especially the unprocessed ones yes of course I agree. The processed ones are problematic <laughs> okay for a little treat every now and then but yeah real yeah, food I is, is so good. yeah <laughs> i think so too the unprocessed is, is really the way to go Learn from yeah. our ancestors first. <laughs> Stop eating so much sugar <laughs> and bread and things like that. So that's our message, our health message for the day. <laughs> Eat more veggies. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Dan. It has been a real pleasure to get to know you this way. I I know. You can, Michelle. Um, thank you for asking me along. Giving us your time. Um, you know, time is precious. And so we really do appreciate it. Yeah. My, one of my cats is like, literally been going from window to window looking at me and yelling you probably hear this little in the background like what are you doing yes. time with me food driven <laughs> uh, food it's getting on to dinner time of course <laughs> yes all right so thank you very much again and uh, yes. just stay on and and we'll have a quick chat and because i've obviously kept you too long already but it's been amazing and i've learned so much from you, you are an inspiration thank you for sharing your story we do appreciate it pleasure Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. For a bunch of resources to help you get and stay fit, head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. I'll also be back here once a week. Bye.